Welcome to Breakout Investors. Today we are speaking with the management of Biotricity, ticker BTCY. Joining me on today's call are Breakout Investors Aaron Warwick and Florian Buschek. This call is being recorded on July 12, 2021 and will be distributed via the Breakout Investor channel on YouTube and via our podcasting network. Look for Breakout Investor content wherever you subscribe to podcasts. We are on Apple, Spotify, Audible, and other major platforms. Supporting materials for today's discussion will be posted on the Breakout Investors discussion app, which is located at app.breakoutinvestors.com. The application and much of the research content is free. After registering and logging in, use the search bar at the top right of any page, type in the ticker, and the results will give you a link to this podcast and to other discussion and research relating to today's company. Those of you already on the Breakout Investor platform can share your questions for the company using the Discuss tab in Aaron's breakout room. So let's get started with me handing the microphone over to Aaron, who will speak briefly about his interest in the company and then turn the call over to management. Thank you, Scott, and thank you, Akas. Uh, Biotricity, again, ticker BTCY, is a medical technology company providing biometric data monitoring solutions, primarily in the U.S. And the company focuses on delivery of remote monitoring solutions to medical, healthcare, and consumer markets, including diagnostic and post-diagnostic solutions for lifestyle and chronic illnesses. The company currently has a market cap of around $150 million. Look forward to having uh, uh, today with us Wakas, Dr. Wakas Al-Sadiq, who is the chairman, the CEO, and the founder of Biotricity. He's an expert in wireless communication technology. And prior to founding Biotricity in 2014, he held several high-level design positions at IBM, AMD, and Intel. Uh, and I became quite interested in, in Biotricity when I first heard about them at the LD Micro. One of the LD Micro conferences, I have had several conversations uh, with Wakas. I always appreciate uh, the clarity with which he speaks and the excitement with, that he presents about his company. And I do think there is a lot of there are a lot of exciting things going on. So without further ado, I'll go ahead and turn it over to you, Wakas. And, and when you're finished, uh, we have some some questions for if you have time to, to answer those for us. We appreciate it. For sure. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Just to kind <clears> of <throat> get started, the obviously, you know, some of the discussion that's going to be taking place today is really about our vision and, and what we're planning uh, to do here at Biotricity. And so such statements and estimates and projections reflect various assumptions made by management. Uh, and, and this is a pretty standard disclaimer um, just to get everybody uh, to understand that we're, we're talking about you know, our vision and management's expectations uh, based on what has transpired so far and and, and what we are planning to do. Um, and with that, I really like to start with the, you know, the reason as to why we started Biotricity, why was the why was the company and, and, and what was a, um, the catalyst for that? And and really what we looked at in the marketplace is we saw that the term monitoring is uh, primarily uh, misused in, in healthcare. It's really passive recording is what's happening. So patients are put on devices, devices, um, uh, and, and patient goes home, it records their data, they can bring the device back, data is downloaded, two weeks later you get a report, which is great for low-risk patients or for low-end low diagnostics, but for high-end where you actually deal with you know, potential patient risk or patients actually having an adverse uh, reaction, you can't wait two weeks. And so we really saw this as a, as, a, as a gap. And then we also saw that everybody's very siloed. So 
you know, you've got Dexcom doing diabetes, you've got uh, Biotel doing cardiac, you've got ResMed doing sleep apnea, but no one really communicates with one another. And, and really the problem is that many of these patients, as you go further on in their life cycle, they actually end up having multiple illnesses. So you really need this cross-pollination. And so we started Biotricity because we uh, wanted to build a, a platform and we wanted to apply it in the, in the cardiac space and really focus on uh, intelligent monitoring because that's what we call the future, you know, connected intelligent monitoring. And so we built our device, applied in the, the MCT, and so our product today is a, and I'll go through it in detail, so I'll just quickly summarize it here, but it's a, it's a real-time smart medical device used for diagnostics. Doctor prescribes it to you. You wear, hang it around your neck, underneath your shirt, has three little leads, collects your ECG, but what it does is it's analyzing your ECG continuously, looking for issues, looking for problems, and then when it finds an issue, it actually transmits it uh, to a call center where they can review the data and determine if there's an emergency and then deal with uh, emergency response. And all the cellular technology, et cetera, is built into the, de into the device. We built all the tech in-house, we own everything. And so we brought this product to market. Um, that product now is being used by over 1,100 cardiologists across 23 states. Um, we have, we're opening up new centers every week, every month. Um, we have a technology as a service model. So we provide the technology as a solution to the hospital clinic they utilize it and it's a reusable device so they put on patient a patient a goes home patient a comes back they clean it up put it on patient b and so on and so forth and so every time they use it we generate uh, a fee and so we did 1.2 million in our last quarter uh, march 30th is our year end so it's a bit a bit wonky um and and we are at a run rate of 7.2 we have grown um every single quarter uh, since the product has been officially launched, which was April of 2019, um, we expect triple digit growth. We've been experiencing triple digit growth the last uh, a couple of years. We expect tr to continue that um, growth rate for this year and for next year, as I have publicly said. Um, but what we're really excited about, you know, and, and where we are today, it's very different where we were, you know, 18 months ago, right? We've got a product that works. We've got a reimbursement model that is established with Medicare, Medicaid, a business model that is working with very high retention rate uh, uh, and high reorder rate. So it's really about continuing the strategy of, you know, expanding the network and going further across the United States so that we have we have better coverage while simultaneously trying to go deeper into the existing network. And I'll speak to all of this, uh, you know, just shortly. And so, you know, why do we look at the cardiac market? Why is it important? Well, Cardiac disease is the number one killer in every country in the world. So we looked at cardiac because we think all roads begin and end with cardiac. Um, you may end up with some other issue like, you know, you got kidney patients. Well, um, and and you, you'll be surprised to learn that 67% of patients on dialysis are not dying because of kidney issues. They're dying because of heart, heart disease. And so what we find is that, you know, the heart becomes this big problem um and 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 the, the market is not just people suffering from cardiac disease but also a bunch of other uh comorbidities other other issues and what we find is that in order to figure out what's going on with the patient you have to run a bunch of tests and and to get the uh, the best data you have to have a long-term test and in this particular case the doctors are in hospitals are sending patients across the street to get a test done just like you know you go and get your blood work done and what physicians really need is they need something that's connected real time, collects data long term, and they can give it to the patient uh, from within their uh, office so that they can reduce the time for, for diagnosis, so speed up diagnosis, reduce the patient risk, and reduce physician liability.
And so they really need an in-source solution. And so, you know, that's where we came up with the Bioflux and that's what we established with the Bioflux um, and, and we created the Bioflux. And, and, and that is a billion dollar, you know, opportunity. And, and we, you know, I touched a little bit about, you know, how we are growing. And so there's a huge opportunity for bioelectricity within our core product, within the Bioflux. It's a, it's a billion dollar market. It's a growing market. It's high risk patients. We just talked about how patients, these patients have other issues. So uh, patients with other diseases, you know, like kidneys and and sleep apnea issues and whatnot, they're also high risk. So this market is is growing and, and a big market. But what we have also talked about is that we have uh, a network of 1100 cardiologists. We are we're, we have um, a footprint of over 23 states. Well, not every patient needs diagnosis every month, of course, right? So they need diagnosis, uh, initial diagnosis, and then they need a follow up every six months, three months, 12 months, depending on you know how the patient is feeling. And so diagnostics is uh, is is uh, intermittent. It's it's not a monthly uh, thing. And so when we look at these cardiologists, well, we say, okay, well, how many patients do these cardiologists have? Well, each cardiologist has about two thousand patients. Well, that's two point two million patients. That's our total addressable market. But you know, we're touching fifty out of those two thousand patients on a monthly basis for for diagnostics because again, diagnostics is not required. And so. What we're doing with our product roadmap is we've got this pipeline of products which are each increasing our total addressable market. So the BioTray product, which we filed for the FDA and we're waiting for clearance, that's for low-end, uh, low-risk cardiac patients. Well, that's a $2 billion market. So that gives that expands our TAM from $1 billion to $3 billion. Then we go into well, a lot, what is dealing, uh, what are these cardiac patients dealing with a lot uh, in between diagnostics. Well, they're doing prescription fulfillment, they're doing visits, they're doing other types of tests, um, a, a lot of check-ins uh, with the with the, with the the cardiologists and the nursing staff. Well, that's a $27 billion industry, right? That's a lot more touch points, much less, much less uh, margin and revenue, but, uh, but a lot more volume. And so every product that we have in our, in our, in our roadmap is designed to expand our TAM and basically increase the touch points to the patients. And so today, if you look at, well, what is the patient journey and what is going on with the patient and why is this all exciting is, and, and this this uh, slide tells a lot is, well, we live in the diagnostic ring. We're never gonna touch the third ring, which is interventional procedure, but we help diagnose the patient. And then after the patient gets diagnosed, well, they either have a procedure or they have a prescription. And then they go into this management and follow-up and they develop and their disease gets worse or they develop other conditions. And anytime they go off a baseline, guess what? They go back to the diagnosis, which again is back to Bioflux. So for us, Bioflux is the mo most important anchor and also where everything ends up ending back. So not only is our product roadmap enhancing our touch points and, and our stickiness of our relationship with the existing customers, it's also driving patients back to the Bioflux and driving that revenue as well. So in order to 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 to, to make this um uh, uh you need to, to arrive at this juncture you need you need diagnostics and then how do you facilitate and manage and and and, and improve diagnostics well you got to touch the other other circles and everything works together to enhance the, the the first ring which is diagnostics and management and so you know why you know why remote monitoring? Um, I think you know, especially after the pandemic, you know, I think people un, un, are are realizing that you know remote monitoring is becoming a bigger and bigger play. And and the the previous slide about those rings really talks about it because outside of the interventional procedure, most of the other 
stuff we're talking about for somebody who's diagnosed with a condition can all be done remotely. But the problem is you don't have the data. So you need better data, you need long-term data, you need continuous data, you need a more holistic view of this patient. And that's why remote patient monitoring was growing. And then because of the pandemic, things have accelerated because these high-risk patients, they didn't have the optionality to not go see their doctor or avoid the hospital because they have serious underlying conditions. And the risk of having a stroke or a heart attack means you gotta go get your test done. And so now all of this has accelerated and people are more willing and doctors are more willing to adopt technology because they understand, uh, you know, given recent events that they really need to maintain this insight. And so this is where our vision started. This is where we started with the BioFlux and then kind of went uh, and, 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 are, and are looking to enhance and augment that by creating a more holistic view of, of this patient. And so today, you know, and, and this is our kind of our strategy with everything. It's, it's best to talk about real-time cardiac monitoring because that is our core product and, and, and for us the most important. Um, and real-time cardiac monitoring is, is a market which is for, you're talking about patients that can have an event occur. They can have a stroke. They can have a serious uh, uh, situation. So in, instead of checking them into the hospital, the idea was to put them on a device that is streaming data. This is how how real-time monitoring, so telemetry started from the idea of, okay, well, we don't wanna keep them in the hospital with the nurse sitting there, let's do from the home, let's transmit. And so there, the, that's where it started from. And so the traditional model was always outsourced because how are you gonna build a call center with a bunch of nurses? The technology has improved and now with analytics and FDA approving algorithms and all of that, the, the, uh, the, the space is transformed. And so today you've got five players in the space, including uh, us. And and I would argue there's even there's only four players who have technology because Preventus, who's listed here, doesn't even own the, uh, their tech. They're they're white labeling from somebody else. So now you've got, you know, four tech guys, five five brands. But by and large, the model is outsourced. And what outsourced is, if I come to you as a cardiologist, you send me across the street to get the test done. Then I come back, you read the report, you make twenty five bucks. And our approach is, well, technology has changed and we need to, we, we can enable the physician to do all of this in-house by using the cloud and all, all the latest latest stuff. And so now the doctor can bill insurance, they can collect the revenue and they, and, and they pay us a usage fee. So we are now a technology as a service model. And that is what is allowing us to grow quarter over quarter, month over month. Um, because we're not interested in doing the clinical work. We're not interested in staffing and doing all the clinical data and all of this stuff. Uh, we don't want to do the hookup with the patient. We we don't want to build infrastructure in, in creating clinics. We want to enable the physician and then we develop our technology. And so now, instead of the doctor making $25 and, and these other providers billing insurance and collecting $850, the doctor bills $850 and, and pays us our tech fee. So they go and and after our costs and everything, they're walking away with around five hundred dollars. So you know instead of making twenty five bucks, they're making five hundred dollars, which is a huge increase in in revenue. And the other important aspect of you know we talk about mobile cardiac telemetry because when we talk about the marketplace of cardiac monitoring, so I threw out this number of eight hundred fifty dollars. Let's let's talk a little bit about cardiac monitoring landscape. There's really the uh, a, a few different technologies in, in this space and I'll, I'll deal with the consumer ones because you know people are talking about you know the apple watches and the samsung watches 
doctor's not going to cut you open and install a pacemaker on you or do a diagnostics or give you a prescription based on what these consumer devices do. They're really uh, awareness drivers. They will certainly drive growth in diagnostics, but but they are they have nothing to do with diagnostics. And in the diagnostic world, you traditionally have MCT, Holter, and Event. And then iRhythm came in and really created Extended Holter, which is basically long-term Holter uh, monitoring. And what the Holter and the Event devices do is they basically record your data. And then you bring the device back, they download it, and then you do analysis. And so traditionally, it's been a very short period of time because the risk to the patient. What if the patient has a heart attack? Well, that's where MCT came in and they said, well, you really need long-term data. So let's let's do uh, uh, real-time monitoring and, and do MCT where, where the device is transmitting the data. And then iRhythm came along and they said, well, long-term data is still good, but if we go for low-risk patients, we should create this idea of an extended holter. So a holter that goes beyond 48 hours. And so you've got these four four different markets. We try to look at them uh, as as recording devices, so holter uh, slash extended holter, and then MCT as real time and, and bifurcated. And and these are the codes that have existed for, for a long, long time in the, in the United States and, and reimbursement has been pretty, pretty standard. Recently, um, reimbursement got chopped for extended holter, but that's because it's it was the newest uh, uh, kid on the block in the sense that it recognized that long-term monitoring was better because MCT made that, uh, real-time monitoring made that proof point already. And they said, well, what about for low-risk patients, we can do extended extended monitoring. And, and, and now that reimbursement has 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 been has been chopped. But the ones that we live in, which is MCT, that reimbursement has been around for many years and, and, and we have very little reimbursement risk, especially because of our business model. And so to talk about what does the solution look like, what is it essentially? Well, it's a device um, with cellular and GPS and all this stuff built in with algorithms. And this device is hung around your neck, size of an Apple mouse. Um, three little wires collect your data. When it, it when it detects an emergency, so it's constantly recording and analyzing your data. When it detects an emergency, it transmits it to a call center. The call center reviews it. They determine if it's an emergency and they deal with emergency response if needed. And other than that, the data is summarized, provided to the doctor. They look at the data. They decide whether or their staff look at the data. They decide what they want to change, what they want to do, how, what, what does the summary look like, and then they make a their diagnostic decision. And when we talk about the market, and I'm going to just summarize this quite quickly, um, you know, these are the players in the space, as I mentioned, you know, and um, Preventus uses the, the, the Scott Care device. So there's really four tech players who actually have built tech. And in our case, we're cheaper, better, faster. We're the only three-channel device in the market, um, and we're the smallest device in the market and with the most recent clearance. And to kind of summarize, you know, why are we having the success in the MCT space and, and, and the opportunity and whatnot? And well, we lead with our disruptive technology, right? We have the smallest, most accurate device in the market, three channels, more data, better accuracy, so cheaper, uh, better, faster. But then we've augmented that with this new concept of a disrupt uh, of, of a of a in-source business model enabling the physicians and the hospitals to build directly it also reduces our overhead and our operational costs and makes us more efficient but really enables a technology as a service model and allows us not to lose focus because we're a tech company at our core we're a tech company and you cannot execute on a on a product roadmap that enhances you know that we're talking about here if you are so focused on clinical work, right? You you have to focus on the technology because that is what has enabled everything. And the idea is how do I how do I augment and how do I expand that technology?
And so today, you know, our footprint, you know, as I mentioned, we're got 1,100 cardiologists across 23 states, over 300 clinics, hospitals, and centers use our use our technology. We want our we are growing two ways horizontally by adding more sales reps and basically expanding and making this map bigger. Um, but then also by going deeper into these accounts because we have existing customers. So, you know, BioTrade, the wholesale market, we were not interested in this. We thought it was commoditized. Well, it is commoditized. Um, but our customers came back and they said, well, we love your business model, what you've done with real-time monitoring. Can you please give us a holter product? And we said, okay, well, we don't know if this is good. So we enabled the BioFlux's holter feature. So you can actually use the BioFlux for the holter just to assess, is there really a need here? And suddenly they started using the BioFlux for the holter. So we said, okay, fine. So then we developed the bio, bio trait. And that's what, you know, we learned from experience that, hey, we are enhancing diagnostics by going deeper and increasing the touch points because each of these cardiologists have 2,000 patients, that's 2.2 million patients. We're touching a tiny fraction of them. So while we continue to horizontally grow, how do we vertically grow? Well, we vertically grow by, by creating a product roadmap that augments and supplements our diagnostic uh, business and enhances it. And so the BioTray we talked about, we filed it uh, for our FDA um, clearance on this. We expect our clearance, um, you know, this quarter uh, and, and launch the product. Um, and this product is really focused on the holter, extended holter um, uh, market. It increases our TAM from $1 billion to $3 billion because the low-risk cardiac market is $2 billion. So, um, you know, again, that, that same strategy, but we get to sell it into our existing ecosystem. And then um, telemedicine, we, we created really to drive home-based, and this really came out of COVID because these patients had to go in and they had risk. And so the idea was, okay, how can we do remote prescriptions of the BioFlux? And so this is completely integrated. And then of course the idea is, okay, how do we facilitate remote prescriptions and keep on adding to this? But the idea today and the, the way it's being used today is for remote um, hookup and remote delivery of the BioFlux for diagnostics um, by, our, by our customers. And then we have, uh, which we're very excited about and we really think is where things are going, is disease management, which is our BioFlux app, which is really around cardiac patients that have been diagnosed. How do you manage these patients in between visits? How do you get a better view of them? You know, uh, are they taking their medications? Are they sleeping? Are they exercising? Are they following the, the care plan that was that was done? And this is all Medicare, Medicaid reimbursable. So this is very high volume, uh, um, uh, low margin, uh, but you need you need a network to do this, right? And what it does is it it facilitates and speeds up diagnostics as well because if you are you're managing a patient and they they go off a baseline or they're complaining of something and you find out well wait a minute they're exercising they've been taking their medication this is very strange what will you do well you would prescribe a bioflux and you do a, a diagnostic test to see what has changed in the last three months or six months and so this is a is is a is not only a great add-on but you needed we needed the uh, the network to be where it's at right now and we needed the the the, the number of, of patient population to to address something like this but it's certainly drive direct um 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 it's a direct drive to diagnostics as well and so to kind of talk about and shifting gears a little bit um about you know well that's great you know great opportunity what's what's the upside what what is what is the real goal uh here and and what I can talk about is that MCT just 
take take everything away that we're talking about, just our core product. If we just just on Bioflux, it's a billion dollar market, and Biotel was just bought for two point eight billion dollars by Philips. But that company's been around since two thousand and two. Their actual actually they've been around from nineteen ninety four, but they did their first real time product, uh, which is MCT, in two thousand two. So that's almost two decades. But so is it going to take us two decades to get to that value? And the answer is no, because we're growing faster, way faster than they were comparatively. And the other thing is we're a different business model. So we have different multiples um, because we're not doing clinical work. They were a 20% margin business and we at our uh, we 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 expect to be in the high 60s because of this recurring revenue model and, and we're not dealing with clinic infrastructure. Uh, another good comparable uh, is Prevenis which has been around for 10 years. And this was acquired for 1.2 billion to 158 million in revenue um, and was losing money. Same model as Biotel. Uh, and, and again, this is outsourced. They have clinical, they do all of that work. And the reason these th these, these margins are, are lower and their model is different is because they're investing in the clinical infrastructure, which we are not. We are focused on delivering the solution to the physicians and letting them bill. And that creates a technology as a service model. If we had adopted their model and we're doing all the billing and whatnot, our revenues would be, you know, four uh, uh, four times what they are uh, in terms of our run rates. So it'd be significantly higher. So we're actually a lot bigger than you would think when you're comparing apple uh, apples to apples because we're not using the same business model. We're taking a, a small fraction of of that revenue. And and again, the conclusion is okay. Is it going to take you ten years to 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 get to one a uh, billion dollars? And again, you know, we're growing faster than these companies were um, at the same life cycle when they were two years in because we launched our product in april of 2019 and we are we are growing uh very very uh aggressively and the one that we'd like to really compare ourselves to and what we see our vision lineup with is a, a company called lavango so lavango was acquired for 18 billion they were around for a very long time as well but what they did was they tackled diabetes and they started out with a glucometer and really to help patients you know collect data and get a holistic view of the patient and then they moved into disease management and when they got acquired, they had 328,000 patients. So out of the 2.2 million patients, you know, how many are today that we have access to through our cardiology network are addressable for cardiac disease management? Probably about 1.8 million. How many of them are really going to use technology and are techno technologically savvy, et cetera? It's probably half a million. So if we can get, you know, 1%, 2%, 5% of those patients, right, as, as we go through our life cycle to really move into di uh, um, uh, cardiac management, not only is there a massive billion-dollar opportunity in our core diagnostics, but with our product roadmap, we're actually growing two ways, horizontally and vertic vertically by going deeper. And that is another uh, big um, uh, big uh, upside for, for investors. And... To talk about you know what Lavongo did, which is really about this this consumer access and getting to the consumer, we've taken our Bioflux technology, we've simplified it and, and turned it into this product called BioHeart, which is like you can take pre-orders right now. Um, we're going to launch it uh, and and start shipping in, in mid-August. But what this is really designed to do is it's a personal uh, cardiac device um, that individuals can use to manage their condition in between doctor visits, which nobody really has uh, created. Uh, for the cardiac uh, market. And, and so this takes all of our continuous uh, monitoring, continuous uh, uh, monitoring knowledge and, and puts it into a form factor that is usable uh, for an individual for personal use. And so we talked a lot about, you know, 
things, you know, what about execution? How does execution work? I mean, we kind of look at our organization as three real divisions, operations, sales, and management. And we've been fortunate to have a fantastic team because it's really teams that make things happen. And what we do at Biotricity is we try to recruit people that have had experience in scale and growth um, from nothing all the way up to exit and have done it not once, but multiple times. And so we look at our operations teams. We've seen people that have scaled from $0 in revenue all the way to $250 million for sales. You know, we've seen guys who have exited and start uh, been first first sales reps all the way up to exit multiple times over. And on the management side, you know, people who have launched products uh, not in one country, but multiple countries, not one product, but multiple products. Um, and similarly, on our board side, we've done the same kind of thing, which is to really bring people of different backgrounds to really help scale and drive uh, the organization. People who have exited and, and grown uh, cardiac companies, people who have gone international with companies and people who come from the financial um, um, markets as well. And then with that, you know, I'll, I'll kind of leave my closing remarks. Um, you know, I, I, if I would say that what is the takeaway for, for somebody who's interested and, and how would they look at the biotricity opportunity? And I would say we're, we're a tech company in a billion dollar market that is only growing because the future is remote monitoring. So if you believe the future is remote monitoring and in smart healthcare devices, in cardiac, there's only four guys who own the tech. We're one of them. And so that's a billion dollar, massively growing market. And then on top of that, because our business model lends itself to be to enable physicians and hospitals as a, as a revenue driver, it makes us uh, very sticky with them. And so our product roadmap is a further accelerant on top of that. And so, you know, as at a, at a base business, and, and of course, it supplements the base business as well. So if at a base business, there's a huge opportunity for investors to because you know we're we've projected triple digit growth for this year next year and then the 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 kicker on it um is our execution on our on our roadmap and so you're you're almost getting a two for one type um upside and you know investors can certainly track our our, our progress uh, on on our core product and then as we reach our milestones for um, our product roadmap uh, they will see you know how well we are executing on that and so you know i think that's that's the real kind of you know takeaway that we are a technology as a service model. Though we are um, in the healthcare uh, space, we are truly a technology company that happens to have a product in the healthcare space, as opposed to a healthcare clinical company that owns tech. And with that, I'll turn it back over to Aaron. Thanks, Wakasa. I appreciate it. Um, we have several questions that people have uh, submitted to to me uh, to ask you, and I think a lot of these you did answer in your presentation. But some of them I want to want to go back through them with you just to highlight them or to to give further detail. Um, I, I I don't remember if it was the last earnings call or maybe it was at the LD Micro, the last LD Micro virtual conference. You talked about. And you mentioned this today, how much bigger your business would appear if you recorded revenue the same way, you know, if you didn't have this task model, but if you were actually, you know, selling these devices um, like like most of your competitors do, rather than just getting the task uh, revenue. Um, could you talk a little bit more about that to give us some context and then and then talk uh, about how many physicians, cardiologists are actually in your network right now and how many patients are in there? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, what we would be doing, and I think that that's um, in terms of our uh, revenue, if we had taken the other business model, we would be probably doing somewhere. So our run rate, I think, is the last we said was like 7.2 coming out of our last quarter um, or, or or maybe a little bit higher. But um, at that time, our revenue would be around 30 million. Like we're a lot bigger than than you would you would think. So when you take about when you when you talk about you know Preventus that got acquired for 1.2 billion, 160 million revenue, we're, we're we've we've already achieved 20 percent of their size in two years, and I think that that's 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 pretty um, that's pretty good. That's, that's pretty exciting, um, and and that's what we're super excited about. And in terms of you know our network of cardiologists, so the math is we've got 1,100 cardiologists that use our our product they each have about 2,000 patients and I'm, I'm giving rough rough averages right some, some are way higher um, but 2,000 on average and so this our total addressable patient population is about 2.2 million um, we're of course touching a tiny tiny piece of that and the idea of course with our product roadmap is start touching because we, we focus today on low volume high margin diagnostics and now we're going downstream. We went from the we're going from the most complicated to the simplest. Yeah, and um, so you you had mentioned your uh, run rate coming out of the last quarter. Sounds like that's probably the quarterly run rate. I don't know if you're are you able to say what your run rate was at the end of June? I have not publicly said that, so I cannot. Okay. That's what I figured. That's what I figured. That's okay. Um, so. You, Kind of moving along, like you had mentioned, you're going from the most complicated to the least complicated. Uh, you had mentioned it sounds like that BioTray, you're expecting it to be approved uh, this quarter by the FDA. Is that correct? Yeah, so that's that is our expectation. Correct. Um, I mean, what has happened is, and we expect it to be a little bit uh, sooner. Um, FDA has been, you know, very busy with, you know. The, com uh, the country reopening the vaccinations, all this other stuff, and prioritizing certain types. They've done a couple changes as well on like pulse oximeters and stuff like that. They're now you can approve them even without having to go through a 510k. So you know we we got stuck in some of that backlog. Um, but yes, we expect that clearance to happen this quarter and then and then launch thereafter. And what kind of revenue you're expecting from that now? I know you had given guidance on that. I think towards the end of last year, but. Of course, your numbers have changed now. I'd, I'd have to go back and look and see what it was like in absolute dollar terms. You had talked about it percentage-wise. What are you able to give any any sort of idea what you expect that to contribute? Let's just say in the first you know first year of its existence. Yeah, so I, I would say that you know we expect the um, in terms of uh, revenue, we expect it to add twenty percent um, in terms of you know percentage. So if we're doing you know, $8 million in revenue, we expect it to add $1.6 million in revenue. And the revenue projection that we talk about, and I'm talking about triple digit growth and all that, that's without any other product. Every other product we should add to that. Just the BioFlux itself is going to be doing triple digit growth um, for the next two years. And and so anything else that we bring on is going to, you know, make that hockey stick sharper. Mm -hmm. And so that 20%, I think that's what you said earlier. And so and perhaps uh, the reason that you're able to give that clarity, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is because of this network that you've built. So, uh, you know, even though uh, your revenue is significantly more now, gosh, it's like what probably about triple what it was 
or double, excuse me, what it was um, before when you when you were given that 20% guidance. Uh, are you still able to give that because you have this larger network now and you expect many of those cardiologists to adopt BioTray in addition to BioFlux? Is that what your thought is? That's exactly right. So, so as 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 the network grows, it's the same it's the same uh, ecosystem play, which is very exciting for us. Is like, you know, what I talk about in terms of hey, we're going deeper into the account. So as we grow that network, well, that automatically uh, makes the makes the uh, you know more doctors that we can sell the subsequent product to. So it's the same. Um, it, it's a self-fulfilling story, right? Keep on selling the BioFlux, keep expanding the network, which means, okay, that 20% revenue stays the same because you've, you've expanded the network, right? So when we were talking about 20%, um, you know, call it, so we tripled in size. So I would say we probably had like 500 cardiologists, let's say, right, back then. Well, now I have 1,100 cardiologists. Well, you know, 600 more cardiologists, well, they also use, you know, Holter, Holter technology as well. And so that 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 continuous uh, network expansion uh, just continues to, to to provide that opportunity. I've got other questions, Wakas, but I want to um, give Florian and, and Scott the opportunity if they have some they want to ask as well. I've got nothing at this time. If you want to continue, that's fine with me. Okay. Florian? Uh, yeah, I was asking about the Apple Watch. Um, you said it's probably not going to be competition really. But can you maybe elaborate a little bit? Right. So the Apple Watch is really, um, it opens up the market. It doesn't compete uh, with with diagnostics because a doctor is not going to cut you open based on what the Apple Watch says. Um, in fact, in order, so, so let, let's talk about continuous ECG just as a con concept. First of all, it's intermittent. The, the heart issues are very intermittent, so they're very ad hoc. You never know when they're going to happen. Most patients, I think like 90 or like 87% of patients are asymptomatic, so they, they don't even know what the symptom is, okay? So how do you collect ECG on an Apple Watch? Well, you open up the, 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 the app, then you take your, if you're wearing it on your left hand, you take your right hand, you hold the watch, so you have contact because you have to complete the circuit. So you have to go across your heart in order to do that. You have to hold the watch physically with the opposite hand. And then you can record for 30 seconds. We are catching patient issues five days of continuous wear 24 seven. It's it is just it's in a different, completely different world. But what it will do is on the off chance that you find some patient that isn't aware they're asymptomatic they happen to be interested they took their the watch on and they collected some data that said hey you should go see a doctor that otherwise wasn't aware that patient will end up in front of the doctor and we will be able to uh and they will get prescribed a, a bioflux so apple watch is complementary it's a driver of awareness for us could you talk uh Wakas, about bioheart and uh, that seems to be like more uh, you know, more uh, closer comparison to to what Apple's doing, but I know there are some differences. So maybe you could talk about this here as well. You said, and it sounded like mid August you're going to be be shipping it. Yes. So so that product, um, absolutely. So that that is definitely something that we uh, consider as as a as a as a consumer, but still still more more healthcare oriented. We're focusing on 
patient uh, individuals with cardiac issues. And so what we've done is we've taken all the Bioflux technology and we put it into a consumer format um, so that individuals can have this. They can continuously record because, again, Apple Watch and these products only record for 30 seconds. So it's not long enough. You need long term recording to figure out these issues. And so the idea for us was, OK, we bring this um, technology, we simplify and we put it in the hands of the consumer, which is the BioHeart, and it will enable these patients post diagnosis to collect their data and manage their con condition, just like a diabetic manages his or her condition with a glucometer. And so that is the vision behind the BioHeart product, and that is what we are doing with it. And how does that all connect to this app that you talked about? Because I've heard you speak before, and it sounds like all of this is is somewhat connected to the app, which would be um, sounds like you know have the widest use of of any of the products that you're developing. Yes. So everything basically drives, and it's all about getting that full picture of the patient, right? So if the patient and and the patient doesn't need the BioHeart, but in an ideal scenario, we have a patient that's using the application. They came in from the BioFlux. They got diagnosed with the BioFlux. They use the app. They get their prescription from the app. They get everything um, basically through the app. Then they buy the BioHeart. The BioHeart allows them to collect the data for their ECG and their heart data and their statistics in between visits. So they have a very, very uh, a complete holistic view of what's going on with that patient. And so that when the doctor is looking at it now, now they really know because today what will happen is if they don't have the BioHeart, the doctor will look at it and say, OK, you've been taking your medication. You've been doing your exercise. You're following the care plan. I use you, you had your visit with the nurse. Um, I don't know why you're having symptoms. They're going to ship you out the BioFlux, right? Versus if they had the BioHeart, be like, oh, I have some data. I know where your heart rate, your heart rate's going out of range. Is it is it a is it a high high issue? Is it a low issue? Is it happening while you're sleeping? You'll have more details about it. So yes, everything for us is, you know, like I said, it's all designed to end up end you back into the BioFlux. And so everything is interconnected, um, and and that's how we how we are doing it. And and the idea is is, is the network effect. And when when do you think that app will be ready to to hit the market and to be used by physicians? That's an excellent question. So we are currently in the pilot stage with it. Um, we are in we expect to you know and and BioHeart is a big, a big part of that as well. Um, so we we expect to you know launch that by the end of this year. And, and, you know, you guys will start seeing investors will start seeing the milestones and, and announcements that that we do. And I think it's going to take about, you know, two quarters to basically permeate through. And, and you know, we try to do things in a in a methodical way, go to a few sites, test it, make sure the workflow works, make sure reimbursement works, map everything out, make sure there's no, you know, figure out any kinks, then go and then expand that uh, to a, a broader group of clinics broad group of patients and then go full market, full scale launch. And then as things go, uh, I think that's when, um, you know, it'll take two quarters even after launch for everybody to kind of see it show up uh, in, in our in our revenue. Right. Yeah. And presumably that would be a much lower revenue, but a, a higher, much higher reach, I would I would assume. Yes, that's that's exactly the uh, the the, the 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 that is very very high volume um low margin but very high volume because you know like i was saying 2.2 million patients how many of them are applicable for that app probably 1.8 million and then you know 
how many of them are actually going to are good and savvy with tech maybe half a million right you know so mm -hmm. you keep you keep chopping down but the point is almost all of them are applicable which is which is you know uh huge because as you know every year that goes by people are more and more tech savvy right and and covid has certainly forced a lot of people that you know were in their you know late 70s who didn't want to do telemedicine suddenly they're on telemedicine because they don't want to get get covid and they're willing to play around with uh with apps and technology anything to avoid going in and so i think that that those are all um you know things that have positioned uh, the cardiac management as, as a huge opportunity for, for the company. Now, you said that that would be a high volume, low margin. Is that is that accurate? I would have thought it would be high margin. Do you mean mean low revenue? Yes, sorry, I meant low revenue. So, okay, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, yeah, I thought that would be pretty high margin. Like like low revenue, high margin, yes, right. low reimbursement, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just wanted to make sure. Um, Slip, and then one other time. thing, I guess, would be, uh, you know, capital funding needs that you might have in the future. You said in this last release that you're cutting down on the cash burn. Uh, are you going to need more cash? What are, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I, it's always a double-edged sword. You know, everybody always asks me that. Um, and I say, look, Preventus was acquired for $1.2 and they were losing money. Um, so you, there's, it's, 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 uh, it's, you have to take a position, right? Do you want to grow? Growing requires capital or, uh, uh, sorry, growth and value, right? Growth and value means capital. Um, or you go organic growth and you chase profitability and you're really an M&A. And you're never going to be a billion dollar play. And that is what it is, which is fine. Um, we are obviously focused on the former. And so we will take in capital, but we try to bring in capital in a methodical, we, we keep on increasing value. So we brought in capital, we increased the value of the company. We deployed that capital. It also takes time to deploy capital. So, you know, when we did our, you know, $10 million at the beginning part of this year, you know, we could have done 20 million, but I wouldn't have deployed it any faster. I had certain things I needed to achieve. Um, and and so we're very, we're very careful about how we raise capital, but the, 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 that's a long answer. The short answer is we will bring in capital. We will bring it when, it, you know, to facilitate growth. If the world imploded, we could be profitable in nine months. So, you know, I think that's where, where things are. Good deal. Scott, Florian, you have any other questions for Wakas? Uh, yeah, what do you see as your greatest challenge at the moment? Human resources is always the greatest challenge, right? Um, it's, it's, you know, people, uh, people and access, you know, it's an interesting thing, you know, and, and especially with the, with the pandemic, it's a double-edged sword, right? Where awareness has, has become a huge uh, for remote monitoring, awareness is is a big uh, value, but it's still you know tough to go in. Uh, people are still wary, especially clinics, because they're just reopening. They don't want people coming in. Hospitals are still very wary. Some hospitals you have to carry a vaccine card. Other hospitals, so you, there's some new things that you have to navigate. That's more like the market dynamics. But you know, we grew through the pandemic, so I'm not concerned about growing and maintaining triple-digit growth. But what what is always my concern is, and and what I see is you know you've got to find talented people and the more people that you bring in the every subsequent person it's like law of diminishing returns right you can finding 20 top sales reps great you got 20 top sales reps you want to find 20 top engineers great finding 50 that's a different problem right finding 100 that's an even bigger problem so you know for us it's really about uh continuing to find talented and good people uh to come into the company uh, as we grow up and to and to kind of line that up so that it 
it facilitates and, and continues the growth momentum. Well, that was a fantastic presentation. I learned a great deal today. I uh, really appreciate your taking time to talk with uh, breakout investors. Thank you for having me. Neither Breakout Investors nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty, express or implied, as the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information presented by this podcast and any liability, including respect to direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, therefore is expressly disclaimed. The views on this podcast expressed are those of the speaker and not Breakout Investors. No one on this podcast is an investment advisor and no one is providing investment advice. Before investing in any company's stock, you must do your own research. Thank you for listening.